Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. If you have your Bibles, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. As we are redirecting our focus on the basic Christian elements and laying a foundation for who we are and what we do is so important in a church's life. We heard Jeff preach of why we are called Christians, why we are called Protestants. He walked us through with church history and then he preached why we are called and why we are part of Southern Baptist Convention. And then he preached a sermon on the faith. The last sermon that he preached was on prayer. What does it mean to be a body of believers who pray? Today I want to focus on the theme, worship. Worship is the most important element of a Christian's life. The ultimate purpose of any human being is to glorify God and to worship God. That is the ultimate purpose of our lives. Can anybody tell on a lighter note, what's the difference between a pianist and a terrorist? You cannot bargain with the pianist. <laughs> Why worship is one of the most important elements of a Christian life. In the Old Testament, worship covered all of life. It was supposed to be a continual preoccupation for the people of God. For example, tabernacle was designed and laid out to emphasize the priority of worship. And it took seven long chapters to describe and to emphasize the importance of worship. 243 verses were allotted for worship in Exodus. Yet, 31 verses were allotted to the creation of God in the book of Genesis. This tells us how much it is important for you and for me to understand the depth and the theology of worship. 30 years ago, they have discovered certain steps in Israel. These steps lead to Mount in Jerusalem the very place where Apostle Peter preached his first sermon. What is so special about these steps? These steps are intentionally built in such a way that they are different from one step to the other. The risers and tread are different from one step to the other. Consciously or subconsciously, if you go into a restaurant or a mall or to your house, if you have a duplex house, you walk on the steps First two steps, you take it and your brain automatically says it's the same steps that you have until you get up. But when it comes to the sanctuary of the Lord, they made it intentional that the risers and tread are different for this reason. When you come to the house of God, you should be watchful. Come slowly. Thoughtfulness is important. Reverence is important when you come to the house of God. How did we come to the house of God today? Did we come casually? 
is this just another sunday for you where you come meet people greet laugh and go home did you walk through the certain steps watching every single step what motivates worship what is worship worship is an act by which we offer praises to god it's not a mood to enter into worship is a spontaneous response for the revelation of god when god reveals himself to you the spirit quickens your soul to worship god it's by the revelation of god a w tozer says if you are bored and turned off by worship you're not ready for heaven for us to worship god god has done something for us and we look at all the things that god has done to us we worship god can we ask ourselves why would angels worship god they don't have kids they don't have wives they don't ask for anything why would angels worship god in heaven holy 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 is the lord god almighty because every single second they are in the presence of god there is a fresh revelation every single second of god and they cannot help but say holy 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 there are two words that are described in original language for worship the first word is proskunio proskunio means it's an act of reverence something that your body postures are used in revelation we'll see 24 elders falling prostrate and bowing down before this lamb that was slain that's proskunio imagine with me we are all in buckingham palace in england since you already imagine that you are in the palace let's imagine queen is alive when queen comes into the buckingham palace we all stand in reverence but when the queen leaves the buckingham palace will you still stand no that's proskunio it depends on the presence of someone in a certain place but the later word that the other word that was used to worship is latria latria is different from proskunio it's not only different it's significant what is latria even after the queen is left the buckingham palace you still carry the reverence and honor for the queen that's latria it's easy to worship god in a sanctuary on a sunday morning we raise our hands we put the best behavior front we worship god that's proskunio but what is latria from monday through saturday how is our life how is our worship to god how does it look like in our own life what worship is not worship is not music i hear young people say wow this is a great worship in that church what they mean they have a great music there i feel the presence of god is the words they use because we do not have the knowledge of god we are in the presence of god but they say we feel the presence of god they are still in the feeling stages they are not in the knowing stages 
We are in the presence of God this morning. God is amongst us. Three things I want to share quickly as a foundation for worship. And in the days to come, we will unveil more about worship. The first thing that I want you to consider is the origin of worship. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I exhort you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, living, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service. Spiritual in Greek is logokos. Logokos means the realm of your soul. What's there in the realm of your soul? It's reasoning and intelligence, not feelings. Your soul reasons. Your soul has the capacity to intellect things, to watch things. And then out of that bursts out feelings. Feeling will never push us to the truth. Truth will push us to the feelings and emotions. In a recent evangelical survey, they asked some Christians this question. Can non-believers worship God? Guess how many people said yes. 58% of so-called Christians, evangelicals, said yes, non-believers can worship God. My question, do they know God? I think they misunderstood the difference between adoration and appreciation. A non-believer can appreciate when he looks at the creation. But only a true believer who have known their God through the power of the Holy Spirit is the only one who can worship God. To worship God, you need the Spirit of God. That's why it's called spiritual service. If you do not possess Spirit, how can you ever worship God? If there is somebody who's seated here this morning who doesn't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I invite you to worship this God along with us. Spontaneous response of your soul and my soul in the light of, therefore, chapter 12, verse 1, begins like this. Therefore, I exhort you, brothers. What is this therefore? Because there is something in the context that Paul is asking each one of us to consider to worship God. Chapter 1, verses 18 through chapter 11, verses 36 is all the description of Paul about Christ and cross and sacrifice of Christ Jesus. If you are not motivated to worship, read these 11 chapters and you will be motivated by the Spirit of God to worship God. Therefore, I exhort you, brothers, worship in this fashion. What makes you and what makes me worship God? If God reveals it to you, how he looks like, how he smells like, how he feels like, that's when your soul bursts out in worship. How did God reveal himself to you this week? Did you open your scriptures? Did God reveal himself to you? How merciful God was. How gracious God was. 
I praise God not only for the grace and mercy of God, I praise God for his justice, for his judgments. What are some of the things that we have to consider when we look in the context of worship? Therefore, chapter 10, verse 8, we need to thank God for the scriptures. There are two kinds of revelations that God revealed himself through. One is general revelation, that is through creation. And then there is specific revelation that is through the scripture, how God looks like. Did we worship God for the scriptures? Verse 13, for salvation. As Psalmist David, time and time and time again, he thanked God for salvation. When was the last time we bent our knees, we raised our hands and said, Thank you, Lord, for salvation. We did not thank God for salvation because we've lost the understanding of what wrath looks like on our lives. The wrath of God was upon us and we were heading towards hell, eternal hell. And God, in his grace, found you, chastened you, and saved you. That is salvation. And we don't praise God and worship God for salvation. He calls you and he calls me the sons of the most high God, the daughters of the most high God. What a privilege for us to consider ourselves to be sons of the most high God. When you look at this character of God, your soul should burst forth in worship. The servants of God laid their lives for this gospel. It should burst forth worship. We worship God for the Son of God, for Jesus himself. And the cross, and the sacrifice, and the ransom that he paid. What was the ransom that he paid for you and for me? His life, his blood. And if your soul doesn't burst out in worship, I don't know what will. We thank God for a new car. We thank God for a new house. Thanking is different, my friends. Adoration. Deep love and reverence for God. That's what God is seeking in our lives. This is my favorite. Chapter 9, verses 25. In the light of this, he exhorts us to worship God. Chapter 9, verses 25 says, He calls us beloved. We are beloved. Of God. The origin of worship is the soul, and the things that are in your soul is reasoning and intellect. Use them to know God. Reason well. The more you reason, the more you use your intellect, the deeper you understand who God is, and from that burst forth the true worship. John chapter 4, Jesus says to Samaritan woman, Worship me in truth and in spirit. Now we've seen the origin of worship. Now I want you to see what we are supposed to offer to worship him. The text says, 
to present your bodies as a sacrifice. To sacrifice your body and to sacrifice my body. What does it mean? Is it literal to go and die? Body symbolizes works. Every organ of our body has a different work. So Paul is trying to tell us, put all your works on the altar. Leviticus chapter 1 through 7, there is an order of worship that God has ordained us to worship in a fashion. The first thing that you see in the tabernacle is the altar of burnt offerings. Put your works on the altar wherever you're working. If you're a housewife, work as unto the Lord. If you are a teacher, work as unto the Lord. Any teacher can bring a person who's 90% to 95%. It's not a big deal. But if you are a true Christian, if you have the spirit of God, the way you teach pushes the guy who has 40% to 75%, 80%. That's how your teaching will look like. When you give, you give generously. When you lead people, you lead people diligently, like Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23, whatever you do, can you turn to your neighbor and say, whatever? Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. The Catholic monk, Lawrence, wrote this book, Practicing the Presence of God. In his book, he writes, while making an omelet, Make the omelet as unto the Lord. When your wife asks you to cook something, don't do grudgingly. It will burn your hands. As unto the Lord. As you cook for your wife, cook as unto the Lord. It will taste good. And the second thing, when you work as unto the Lord, the way you go into your office with this smile on your face, with this freshness on your face, the moment you leave the office at five in the evening, you will still look the same. Because you loved your job. It makes you look young. Worship makes you look young. Because you do it with all your heart. There is joy in doing as unto the Lord. If you're driving, drive as unto the Lord. If you're washing dishes, wash dishes as unto the Lord. If you're leading, lead diligently. If you're giving, give generously. If you're teaching, Teach with all your heart. That's worship. Present your bodies means present your works as unto the Lord. Sacrificially. As a sacrifice. What does sacrifice look like in the Old Testament? Burnt offering, the first thing that we've seen. Did you ever see something put there and killed or burned that you can take it back? That's what it means. You put your bodies on the altar. You die to yourself that you cannot take anything. We are bargaining Christians. We say, Lord, you can take my hands, but leave my feet. You can take my ears, but leave my mouth. All your works, may it be school, may it be home, may it be a playground, wherever you are, work as unto the Lord. The second part of the verse says, living, holy, and pleasing to God. 
our sacrifices, our works should be living. What does it mean? It's simple. It should not be dead. <laughs> Do not give your dead works to the Lord. Do not give your second best to the Lord. The first time that we ever see a word in scriptures, the word worship, is in Genesis chapter 2, 22, where Abraham goes to sacrifice his son Isaac. He says to his two servants, we will go to the Mount Moriah, we'll worship God and we'll come back. We can learn what living, what holy, and what is pleasing in the sight of God. Isaac was a living sacrifice. There are only two living sacrifices that are mentioned in the New Testament, Old Testament and the New Testament. The first living sacrifice was Isaac. Who's the second living sacrifice? Jesus. Why did God ask him to give his son? Why not possessions? Why not anything else? Because Abraham exalted his son above God. There are some parents seated here this morning. You have exalted your sons and your daughters above God. Blasphemy, idolatry, you've made an image. You think more about your sons and daughters than God himself. And God hates it. God said, sacrifice your son, Isaac. What is living sacrifice? The best. The strongest one. The exuberant one. The fresh ones. That's a living sacrifice. You know what the epistle of James says? That Abraham sacrificed Isaac. Did Abraham literally sacrifice Isaac? Why did James say that he sacrificed Isaac? Before someone raises a sword to kill their son, they have to kill their sons in their hearts first. Then only you can raise your sword to kill a son. Abraham was successful in killing his son in his heart because he took the place of God. Some of you parents seated here, you need to kill your sons. You need to kill your husbands. You need to kill your wives in your heart. You have given the place of God himself. Day in and day out, you are just occupied, possessed with the thoughts of your spouse or kids, not thinking much of God. Offer something that you love the most. Put it at the altar. A living sacrifice. Second, it's a holy sacrifice. Set apart whatever you have, if you want to give to the Lord, set apart the best time. Paul Smith, my friend here, he gets up early in the morning before he does any chores in life. He takes the scripture portion and he reads. Get the best time for the Lord. If my dad had $10, $10 bills to get to offering, he picks the best note. And I used to ask dad, what's the difference between these two? It's the same value, right? He says, I want to give the best to the Lord. Have you brought the best to the Lord? Have you come casually to the Lord? Set apart the fatted calf. The best 
talent that God has given you. May it be music, may it be ushering, may it be helping, may it be preaching, may it be whatever. Are you giving your best to the Lord or in the secular world for money? What are you using your time, treasures, and talent for? Is those things that you're offering to God, is that a set-apart thing? Or is it just another thing that you give? Finally, what is pleasing to God? I ask myself right now, Lord, are you not enough? Like, I just gave you my son. This is set-apart one, the one whom I love the most, the only one. And you're asking me to please you? What else can I do to please you, God? If you read the narrative closely, you will find this. Abraham split the word. He woke up early in the morning. He saddled the donkeys. He took two servants with him to the Mount Moriah. And he says, servants be here. Me and my son will go and worship God and come back. He puts the wood on Isaac's back. They walk to Mount Moriah. Bible says, listen to me carefully. Bible says, he arranged the word. If I was in Abraham's position, I would have thrown all the sticks down because I'm mad at God because he asked God, he asked my only begotten son. I would be mad at God. I would throw all the sticks down and push Isaac. But he was careful to worship God. He arranged the sticks in the worst possible moment in his life. He still chose to arrange things. If you went into a restaurant and you asked and you ordered a steak, and if somebody puts the mashed potato on the top of steak, syrup on it, everything on the top, would you eat it? Because it was not presented to you well. You want steak aside, mashed potato aside, butter aside, and then A1 sauce aside, right? It's arranging. If the dish that you eat, you want it to be pleased, how much more the worship that we offer to God should be pleasing in the sight of God. God doesn't like the messy things. Don't give the dirt to God. We should learn from non-Christians. In Hindus in India, how they worship, they not only take shower to go to the temple, weekly once they wash the temple. They clean the temple with water. And here we are. We come from our sleeps. So casual coming to the Lord. House of God. We wear whatever we want to wear. But when it comes to date night, oh, we pick the best clothes. How we come to the house of God is important. Is our worship living, holy, and acceptable in the sight of God? First, the origin of worship. Second, what we are offering on the altar for worship. Finally, ongoing transformation and renewal of your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be confirmed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may approve what the will of God is, that which is good and pleasing and perfect. Renew your mind. Transform your minds. 85% of what happens is in the mind. Only 15% happens outside of what we think. Bible says, what you think is what you become. What are you thinking? God says, give your thoughts to me. I want to renew your thoughts. I want to transform your mind. Where is our thoughts? Day in and day out. Making more money? 
being more famous? Where are our thoughts? The more we are on Facebook, the more we are on Instagram, the more we are on Snapchat, the more we are on Netflix, they influence our thoughts. And without even knowing, we follow the trend of the world. The Bible says, do not be confirmed. Do not be confirmed with the world. It's good for us to practice Newton's third law. Every action has an equal and an opposite reaction. If the world behaves like this, a Christian behaves quite opposite. Do not be confirmed to the world. That means if you dress like this, a Christian should not dress like that. If you talk filthy language, Christians should not talk like that. Do not be confirmed to the world. Do not dress like the world. Do not speak like the world. Do not act like the world. How much, how much of the world is inside the church today? If we dress like the world, we talk like the world, the music that's outside the four walls is inside the church these days. Thank God for Matthew. The lyrics of the world are inside the church. We have Christianized a lot of things in life. We have spiritualized a lot of evil things in life. Ongoing transformation. There are three kinds of songs that we traditionally sing. First, what God says to us, we used to sing those hymns and songs. What God is telling to us, we made a song out of it. And then, what we sing to God, the promises that God has said to us. And then we used to sing to ourselves as believers, to encourage ourselves. But there is a fourth trend that came into existence now. We sing for people because we, because we want to reach the people outside. We sing like them. We brought their music to allure them to church. Did God give you the permission to do that? Are you more zealous than God himself to reach out the world? Oh, I want to bring those people inside, Pastor. That's why I'm using this medium. Where in the text, where in the New Testament, you have seen that where believers have compromised their spirituality, their holiness to reach the un believers listening to a radio song he wrote a lyrics on how his mom used to get ready get him ready for the church the whole song is about that in the middle he used Jesus twice until then I didn't know that it was actually a Christian song the moment he used Jesus' song, I'm like, oh, okay, this is Christian song. The country songs have these lyrics. Truck, girl, beer, hallelujah, Jesus. My friends, before the wrath of God rests upon you, I beg you, do not be confirmed with the world. Hallelujah is, next to, is not next to these things. A beer and a girl and a truck. And we enjoy those songs these days. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. 
God Almighty. Come with reverence when you worship this Almighty God. Aaron the high priest had two sons, Nadab and Abihu. When they came into the tabernacle, they offered profane fire and they were dead on the spot. When people of Israel, when Moses was on the top of the mountain, they started making an image, a calf, and they started to worship the calf. What happened? 3,000 people were killed. Eli's two sons, Hophni uh, and Phinehas, died because they played with the tabernacle. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, young people, do not, do not. It's okay not to worship, but if you worship God, let it come from the soul and the depths of your heart with the knowledge of God. Otherwise, the wrath of God will rest upon you. Do not wait until that time. May God have mercy upon you and upon me to teach what is pleasing to the sight of God when we worship him. I heard a man say, there's a hundred member choir singing in a church and God could only hear one person singing. How is it possible? It is possible. We all can raise our voices this morning and sing. But God only accepts that is pleasing and holy and living. Words have meaning. But as the time goes by, the same words start to have a different meaning. In fact, quite opposite meaning for the same word. If we go into the restaurants these days, we see a menu, dirty olives. The dirty olives are $11, the normal olives are $7. What is the chef telling you and me? Dirty olives are the best olives, that's what he meant. But on the menu, he says, dirty olives. I'm sure you have eaten these chips. Zappa potato chips, New Orleans kettle style. Next to it, evil eye. I don't know what evil eye has to do with chips. But the name of the chips is evil eye. Flounder's menu, appetizers, stuffed devil crabs. What crabs? Devil crabs. Dragon skim roll, spider roll, tsunami roll, red dragon roll. Do not be confirmed with the world. What do I mean by that? Oh, reckless love of God. I'm sorry if I'm stepping on someone's toes here. Oh, reckless love of God. Is God's love reckless to you? Have you read your Bibles? The words have meaning. 
instead of confirming ourselves to the world, let us stick to what the Bible says. Let us worship. We don't have to borrow words from anywhere else to be poetic. There are enough words in Psalms that you can sing along with Psalmist David. What the author meant was a lavished love. The author meant was a sacrificial love. What the author meant was unconditional love. But he said reckless love. I don't think I serve a God whose love is reckless. There are millions of views for the song. When I look at a flower, I would not say, what a crazy God. No. What an artistic God. If we follow the same trend soon, this is what we will end up saying. Oh, what a wicked love of Christ. Oh, what a wicked miracle. Words have meaning. We are trying to be cool with the culture. We are trying to reach the youngsters with their language. May I remind you, my friends. May I remind you. Your friend is not the audience for worship. The audience of worship is God. We sing for God, not for ourselves. Please Him. We worship to the audience of one, and He is the one who should be accepting our worship and be pleased with our worship. Two kinds of worshipers in church, every single church. The first kind of worshipers is people who worship the praise and praise the worship. That's it. We worship the praise and we praise the worship. And there are second group of people who worship this God in truth and in spirit. Let us all close our eyes and bow our heads. Let us examine in the light of God's word. Did we offer our bodies as a living, holy sacrifices unto God, a pleasing unto God? Have we submitted our thoughts, our will to God? Are we asking him to renew and transform our thinking? How we perceive things? Because those things will shape your life. And God is inviting each one of us. Please give your thoughts to me. I will renew them. I will transform them. When God transforms our thinking, our ministries will look so different. Our giving is not just another giving. It's a generous giving when God transforms our mind. We just don't lead people, we lead diligently. Let us come before this God as if we are walking on the certain steps of Israel, slowly, thoughtfully, and with reverence. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you and we thank you for your word and forgive us of our trespasses that we so casually took worship. Teach us the Holy Spirit, God, what it means to worship you. For unto that end, bless us.
Jesus name we pray amen Find out more about